And in five, four, three, two. Hello from Sydney and welcome to the Proof of Concept podcast, the tech show where we explore real life use cases from the field and discuss those hot questions in the field of data science and AI. I am your host, Grant Case, RVP for Sales Engineering here at Data IQ and APJ. And here on season three of the Proof of Concept podcast, we've had our eye on 2026. Funny, it's a little over two years away and we're about halfway through the 20s and they'll be over. To get ready, we've focused this season on what you can learn, understand, and experience in order to get best prepared for the coming changes in the marketplace, whether you're just starting your career or you're a seasoned executive. Today's episode, we're going to focus on that thing that's in everyone's LinkedIn feed right now, and that's prompt engineering. And to do that, my guest today is a gentleman who has definitely found space in my LinkedIn feed, and you and it should in yours as well. Today's guest is Jepson Taylor. Jepson is the chief AI strategist here at Data IQ and here to help me understand and chat about that future of AI and how prompt engineering is in the middle of it. So welcome to the podcast, Jepson. Thanks, Grant. I'm excited excited about this topic. It's changing every day. Uh, you're you're not lying, and it seems like every day it's changing here. Uh, when we're talking about LLMs, prompt engineering, all of that good stuff. So let's kind of dive into it and jump in in, in our ABCDE format, and we'll start with the A, the abstract. So, Jepson, talk a little bit. What is all of this prompt engineering about? So prompt engineering, it's constructing inputs into generative. So generative AI, you have ChatGPT, that kind of. Um, really brought this into the world where people were shocked at its capabilities. So prompt engineering is crafting inputs into these um, LLMs that will produce better outputs. So think of a, a novice beginner versus someone who's very advanced in what they might be able to produce. And what we see on the far, on the far spectrum to from the expert side, some of the things that people can produce are shocking, uh, mm-hmm. unbelievably shocking. The amount of work they can do, the the documents they can write. Um, yeah. So happy to dive into it. Yeah. So, and again, I think for me, this is one of the interesting things about all of this prompt engineering is in effect, the idea and concept, I can ask questions and prompt engineering to me is all about asking questions and trying to get that response. And ultimately the, how well you formulate the question has been something that is very much uh, indicative of how good of an answer you get out. And prompt engineering is nothing more than that. Is that a fair statement? Yeah. Yeah. That's a fair statement. And I think a big thing is a big thing that surprises people is sometimes it, it's all about the context, right? So you, Mm -hmm. you and I could ask a simple question and it might produce very different responses because there's some randomness to it. And for some of the best prompt engineers, the the questions that are asked are quite long. There's a, there's a lot of context that's, that's given, um, style, outcomes. What you're really trying to anticipate is you don't want to go through constructive criticism cycles or iterations. Because you could imagine if you asked a very simple question, a one-liner, it might produce something that's not quite right. And you could give it feedback, give it feedback. And so really good prompt engineering is trying to get ahead of that. Okay. Interesting. So let's break it down a little bit. So how do, uh, when you, you as the chief AI strategist here at Data IQ, uh, you're in these executive meetings all across the world, 
someone who probably puts a lot more miles on uh, whatever airline you like to fly than I do. Uh, so when you're talking to uh, executives, CEOs, uh, chief data officers, what are you talking to them about when it comes to uh, prompt engineering? So my, my favorite thing, Grant, is to do live demos because that's mm-hmm. where the jaws start to drop. That's where people are completely shocked at what you're able to do. One of the things I want to sneak in for the audience very quickly is we've already had prompt engineering before, but it's been very light. So someone being good at Googling so you mm-hmm. might have someone who's been Googling for a very long time. They can extract information and knowledge from the from the web much faster and more efficient than someone who hasn't used that before. And so I would argue, based on our age, you and I are we're pretty good Googlers. But I don't mm-hmm. think most people would see that as a major differentiator on getting a job. Prompt engineering is very different. So the thing I like to show people is I, I, I'm a big fan of pushing people. And, and what I mean mm-hmm. by that is... I, I like to raise the alarm that this is moving much faster than they realize. And so to casually wait until tools show up on their doorstep, that is the wrong mindset for this. And so the things I'll, I'll often do when I'm presenting to executives is I'll ask what their priorities are. What Do you have priorities in product right now? Priorities in marketing? Sales? What are some of the executive functions that you do? And so I have a lot of fun showing them, let's build a marketing campaign right now, or let's engineer a new feature that your engineers might consider? Um, or how might I go after crafting a an expert sales outreach message to an executive? Could I consume everything they've said publicly in the news mm. and then have something that's on point? And, and so I have a lot of fun doing that because you can... You you see the, the look in executive faces where they realize they need to do something. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, right now that is absolutely something that every every organization I'm talking to right now wants to talk about this concept of idea of generative AI. And really, for me, the nexus of a lot of this is the prompt engineering itself. It is the secret sauce. Um, but one of the things I'm hearing a lot about, and I'm curious to hear your feedback, is kind of two two concepts that are happening right now. Number one is... The first is, well, is prompt engineering just going to become another programming language? Are we going to run into the, uh, are we are we creating a priesthood of prompt engineers that is ultimately going to be the ones who can talk to the LLMs? What's your response to that? I'll I'll lean into that, and I'm going to say something mm-hmm. that's completely against it. And it's not okay. my opinion. It's something else I heard, and, and I'd love to get your take on this. So to lean into that, for expert prompt engineers, for, for people that are really, really good, where they're experts at their domain, let's take a senior principal-level engineer, and they've mm-hmm. obsessed over prompt engineering. I think you're looking at a scenario where that individual can do 10 times the work. Like it's it's shocking the amount of work that they can do compared to what they could do before mm-hmm. is unbelievable. The the amount of code they can write, the unit tests, and they're not just producing mass amounts of garbage. They're not producing thousands and thousands of lines of source code. They're producing high quality code with unit tests, very well documented. And we see examples too where uh, I see examples where they can write code that is very tedious code mm-hmm. that they might lack the patience to to work on and 
And so I, th- I think what you see is English is becoming the new programming language. There's also people talking about you might have people gravitating to a single programming language. Think of pseudocode. So if you enjoy mm-hmm. writing Python scripts or whatever the master language becomes, just write all your code in Python scripts, and then you can ask for translation. So if you want to translate mm-hmm. it into um, whatever the the language is of the day, Julia, maybe, for instance. It, well, I, I love that you said Julia because I was going to throw that into the mix, but I was <laughs> I was I was held back a little bit thinking that maybe that might be too technical. But since you said yeah. it. We're going to lean into Julia. So Julia showed up 10 years ago. It was a while ago. And there was a lot of hype when it showed up because just in time compiling, it can run just as fast as C. It was very friendly like MATLAB or Python. But then like people like me that rolled up their sleeves and said, I love Julia. I'm going to give it a try. It was missing all the libraries. Like nothing was written for it. But now, Mm -hmm. thanks to GPT-4 and these new generative AI technologies, you're if Julia is the winner, you can mm-hmm. start writing all the libraries. That's not a big deal. And so, so I love the idea of engineers being able to trans. I wrote a Fortran Fortran ninety script, mm. terrible. Like <laughs> if I had to learn that and write it, oh, uh, yeah. it's it was awful. But GPT four wrote it and it compiled. And again, I think that's one of the keys. I'm I'm a big fan of Douglas Adams uh, Hitchhiker's Guide and the Battlefish. Uh, I know we started out, you know, for many of us, you know, uh, we had the Alta Vista, uh, Battlefish Alta Vista. We had Google Translate, but we never had that for the languages themselves. And I know a lot of organizations today are, you know, they're still running up against I have SAS code or, you know, or even I have JCL or older languages still sitting out there, but they, they can never move it because they don't have either the time, willingness or knowledge to do that. Uh, I see the a lot of the prompt engineering to help uh, with that, being well, able to ask the questions to actually get it the response I need. Well, you, and you're hitting on a very profound topic, and that is um, you have a bunch of archaic systems that run everything. So like trading systems, like you go into these bigger banks or these other organizations, um, you're standing on the shoulder, shoulders of dinosaurs, like literally dinosaurs. Everything's written in COBOL. It's written in, in old languages that are not well known. And for you to translate an update, um, that's no longer going to be a, a very, very large multi-million dollar task. It'll be something y- you and I could roll up our sleeves and say time to translate COBOL as long as I have these scripts available. <laughs> so it's... So maybe systems will stop breaking. Uh, maybe, but that maybe put us out of a job. But that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I see this as being very pro-human. I did want to throw something in that's a little bit provocative, based on the earlier question you had about prompt engineering, because you you could you could see the ten x engineer, or maybe even the theoretical hundred x engineer. If you start building tools on top of tools, and building apps based on requests, you're going to see that stuff show up. Someone I heard someone say. A couple a couple of weeks ago, if not a few months ago, that prompt engineering will be gone within a year. And what, which leads me to my second question is: Is this is prompt engineering just something that's going to be uh, a flash in the plan? I just read an article from uh, Professor Akar uh, uh, King's College in London uh, in the Harvard Business Review. He's like, all of this stuff, it's all going to go away. It's more problem formulation than necessarily. Uh, writing very uh, 
robust and esoteric prompts to get things happen because the AI is going to be there to actually do it for us. I I think you'll see a trend, whether or not it'll completely go away, that's to be determined, but you're definitely going to see a trend moving there in the right direction. So if we had someone join this, this meeting with us and let's say it's a CEO, they tell us about their company and then we, we ask them to generate a marketing campaign in front of us using GPT-4. It's not going to be as good as mm-hmm. you have DataIQ. We've got some great marketing folks. We've got some great engineers. If they were all in the room working together, they're going to be able to build a fantastic marketing campaign. And not just one. They'll have multiple ones that are being scored. They're being prioritized. Images are being built. And so that complicated... Um, deep knowledge within technical marketing will just be thrown into a generative AI pipeline. So, so today you and I might bet on the technical team at DataIQ, great marketers, great engineers in a room working together. But in the future, that CEO should be able to just make a request that this is my company mm-hmm. and I want some competitive marketing campaigns. And, and this goes back to the very start of this conversation. Really good prompt engineering is anticipating feedback. So if you if you throw that in, into the mix right now, that CEO mm-hmm. will be disappointed. They'll say this marketing campaign feels very pitchy. It feels feels like 2010 all over again. And they'll throw all these things in. Um, the the experts that we mentioned would not. They mm-hmm. they, they they would anticipate that. Mm-hmm. Excellent. So, and we'd love to hear back from you guys. Uh, what do you think about prompt engineering? Is this the future? Is this something that you're starting to work on yourself right now? Uh, please drop us a comment here uh, on YouTube, LinkedIn, or in anywhere where you're getting your podcasts. So let's kind of compare and contrast this, Ben, and or Jepson, sorry. Uh, one of the keys for us has been in this discussion, and we kind of alluded to it earlier, what's the difference really between something like what we were talking about, Google versus what the prompt engineer as well. And any other, uh, any other question formulation really? So this is a really big question that you're bringing up because the, the contrast is it's a step function change. So the, the analogy I'll give is when I use Google today, it feels like I'm going back in time to 2001 which is fascinating because I don't think you and I would have complained about Google nine months ago. It's great. I have a bug. I throw it in. I go hunting. I read enough Stack Overflow, and eventually I might find the solution. But let's be honest, it might take a few hours. Now with generative AI, it's like surgery for knowledge. You're going right to the specific thing that you could have found. The internet, um, I, I tend to be a little bit more emotional when I start to compare things. And so now when I think of the old way of doing it, it feels like I'm going to the knowledge landfill. You'll mm. go look at a blog. This blog is garbage. You'll look at another yeah. blog. It's the wrong version, wrong system, no longer applicable. This, this, this screen is you know just somebody trying to game the Google system oh, to get clicks. Yeah. yeah. Well, in some of that, um, you're, you're bringing up another really good point. Some of that, the it's not aligned with your knowledge retrieval or access. So oftentimes when you're clicking through to get something, there's a paid incentive. Like the, the perfect example is go and type something into Google images. A lot of the images you're being shown have watermarks. That's not what mm-hmm. you wanted, but that's what Google's being paid for. Because when you click into their 
those image services, you, you're more likely to pay and they'll get some fraction of that. Um, mm-hmm. And so there's, it's fast. I'm fascinated by the disruption in the market. If mm-hmm. you were, if, if you were an image hosting service, how do you compete against the mid journey solutions, those generative image solutions when have marketer, humans in it with hands? <laughs> yeah. A lot of the, a lot of the issues are getting fixed. Like some of the artifacts yeah. are quickly going away. I think it's gonna be harder and harder to know the the difference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, on when I try to think about just this compare and contrast with, and let's use let's continue to use Google. So when we think about kind of the prompt engineering, it's Google has always tried to infer context, right? So you know, if I'm asking a question here in Australia, they're going to try to put the Australian slant on it. Whereas if I'm so if I tell me about or find me the site catch, catch.com.au is a very um, uh, uh, very used site here, but I would never really be prompted with that in the U.S. It's really the context for me and being able to really use the input data. So giving the boundaries and constraints on what instead of having just do dash site, you know, colon, whatever site to ignore or plus this site oh, stack yeah. overflow, you know, the context, the ability to add the context and the parameters and contrast becomes uh, to me is what makes this leaps and bounds ahead of anything else I've seen up to this point. Well, in the example you brought up, that is expert, expert level Google search engine. Like most people do not go to that level, but also what you're bringing up, it feels very, robotic, very mechanical, doesn't feel very human. Um, mm-hmm. But GPT-4, on the other hand, feels totally human. You mm-hmm. you don't have to, like Alexa, you don't have to say commands th- the exact way that you intended. You don't have to put in the Google chains the exact mm-hmm. way that you had to before. You can just have a very human conversation. Mm-hmm. And I think that, to me, is one of the keys when we start to compare and contrast. Uh, the prompting is ends up being... Um, I'm writing another episode right now and I can have a conversation back and forth and it very, it's very natural. Um, and that naturalness is what's really kind of, to me is what the value is in a lot of ways and kind of dovetails us nicely into kind of our next, uh, next set of discussion point is when we think about what this does and what prompt engineering does, the value, you know, how do I make money, save money, improve the customer experience when it comes to uh, prompt engineering and these generative AI? And I think the sky is the limit. Uh, to me, it becomes the the value is in um, almost for me, it's the ability to kind of go back and forth with it. I, I can have it's like having a conversation. The prompting is like having a conversation with a another colleague who uh, or a mentor that knows a lot more and can kind of help guide my discussion and thought process. It is exactly that, but it's also having a conversation with another employee that has more experience than any employee you've ever interacted with. So I absolutely. So if I think about some of the most seasoned engineers, so think of like super DevOps principal level engineers. If you have um, a gritty, difficult programming question, or if you want to do something impossible and bash, you go tap them on the shoulder and they'll they'll 
they'll show you how to do it most of the time. But now because of GPT-4, you can roll Apple script into bash commands. You can do all these things that there's no single human on the planet that has done all those things. And so that mm-hmm. I, I'm very excited to see where this goes because it's not, yes, it's great to make, um, to make people who aren't expert users of that um, able to leverage those tools, but I'm much more interested to see what do the great people do? So what is it, the expert that was already an expert, what do mm-hmm. they do? Or and that's also true mm-hmm. of designers. For for the really good designers that I interact with, they're celebrating this. They're not concerned. Mm-hmm. They're they're able to do projects that they lacked the resources to pull off, or they lacked the time to pull off because it would have taken them weeks. And for sometimes with the design projects, the fine tuning can be very frustrating if you're doing a big mm-hmm. design project trying to get this just right. And so I, I see this as a catalyst. We can. We can all move faster. Mm-hmm. And I think to me, that becomes one of the, in addition to kind of the naturalness and uh, the ability to interact uh, through prompt engineering, it, like you said, uh, prompt engineering is automation. Uh, I, I think it's, I forget the name, auto GT, auto GPT. So creating, you know, creating bots that help create the AI to answer the questions, but it's doing it in the background and you don't even have to do it to be, to me, that's, insane if you don't have you know you talked to me about that even a year ago yeah it it, it's really interesting the unit of work that is showing up Uh, because for humans we a business is made up of people and process and we we typically work those processes every day that's a job and the unit of work that we're beginning to bring to the table. So think of robotic process automation. Like there, if you download this file, if you do these three things, four or five things, that was already available to you to bring mm-hmm. into the automation pipelines. But because of these new technologies, you, you're much more likely to be able to consume massive amounts of text or code in a way that is, um, is useful. I think if you were doing that before, that, hey, we want to use natural language processing from the year mm-hmm. 2010, and we're going to use it to prioritize legal docs. Mm-hmm. That sounds very brittle. It, like it just, it sounds, it sounds like more work than it's worth. But today, mm-hmm. it, it sounds game-changing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And for those who have an interest in this kind of this concept, John Blick, who was with us last season talking about... Uh, kind of taking your own kind of consciousness and the digital twin. That's a great podcast and is very relevant to this conversation when we're talking about LLMs. And of course, anything, what do you think in terms of deliverables? Please drop us a comment. Uh, Find us on Spotify, LinkedIn, uh, YouTube, and anywhere else you might uh, give us. We'd love to hear your comments as well. So that takes us kind of to the end, Jepson. And to the evolution part of the conversation. So I'd like you to put on your prognosticator's cap. Um, Where does prompt engineering go from here? It's a new frontier. So the analogy I'll use is imagine imagine humans around the campfire. And this is the campfire of knowledge. We, you, you feel safe. You can go over to this region of the camp, over that region of the camp. And if you go beyond that, you have new, new novel discovery. So, uh, this could be scientific breakthroughs, code breakthroughs, creative breakthroughs. And so 
where we go from here, I think on all fronts, you're going to have humans doing things that humans didn't know they could do. And, and so we see examples today. We see generative AI art that I would argue humans can't do within a timeline and budget. And, and mainly I'm going to say less than $10,000 one week. There's generative AI art that humans cannot do. And then that will also be true of code. There will be code that humans can't write. It's mm-hmm. so incredibly tedious. It's so incredibly complicated. It's so the guarantee of failure with a human writing it is almost absolute, like almost 100%. So, so I'm really interested to see, but also the, the cleanup. I think the last thought I'll throw into this, um, I'm an optimist. I think very good things mm-hmm. are going to happen with this. And I think today you have a lot of humans that are spending time uh, keeping legacy his- systems running, processes, stale processes working tomorrow. And I'm really excited f- for a lot of that to become automated. So a lot of these people are evolving process, working on new process, new innovation. I, I think there's a, a level of urgency for the, the work that's coming out of generative AI to end, in, end up in healthcare. Uh, after COVID, I think it's really raised awareness around our lack of data literacy with um, with healthcare mm-hmm. data. We 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 never leveraged the full strength of the global data when mm-hmm. it came to um, to COVID, and I think very good things on the horizon. Education is another one. I. Um, I, I I like to I like to joke and say, unfortunately, you and I had to read books, <laughs> and like I, I don't know if you want to throw a domain under the bus, but I, uh, thermodynamics I hated it, physical chemistry I hated it. There's a list of different things I've learned. I hated them, and if you think of the authors, they're not expert storytellers. That is not their expertise. They they knew the math, they knew the science. There's going to be a future generations of, a future generation of humans that will be able to learn very advanced topics where when you and I were trying to learn them, it felt like going to the dentist mm-hmm. and it was not fun. And I, and I don't think we learned them as well as the new generation when mm-hmm. they're learning concepts through analogies and, you know, take your favorite movie character or cartoon character and it'll just roll it into the lesson for you. So mm-hmm. I, I'm so excited on where this goes. Yeah. Uh, me too. And really th- for prompt engineering, I think this is one of those, uh, it's going to be incredibly important. It's a skill set that we're all going to need to know. There will be various shades of uh, ability, uh, but to me, the sky is the limit on uh, the ability, being able to have a conversation with uh, whatever LLM is in the future. Uh, the ability to automate a lot of what you're talking about is tedious. Uh, the one caveat I have at all of this, and this is always to LLMs in general, is the concept and idea, are we about to go down a road where we're going to wall off a lot of knowledge? Because uh, we talked about it earlier, the Google, Google, the Google payment of uh, AdWords, the ability to, in effect, monetize a lot of this knowledge across the web and Google being able to do that. Uh, even if we're doing unsophisticated prompt engineering, the ability to get to that information much more quickly and in one location, does that 
in effect say, and we even saw this with both Twitter and Reddit, uh, recently closing down uh, a lot of API access because of the concern of that knowledge going to others and that knowledge, in effect, that value not being realized. Does that stop the web and the way we've kind of we've seen the web up to this point in time just because I can now do the context. I can, I can give the context. I can give the instruction. I can get my answer. I don't have to go to stack overflow to do it. Uh, that to me is the one concerning point of all of this. And that's, you know, around just generative AI in general. So. Yeah, no, that, that's an excellent point to bring up. Definitely a concern going into the future. What, knowledge or inputs are feeding these systems. So before Stack Overflow, you had people in earnest that were experts and they and they were being peer reviewed and they're trying to add a solution. Or we to were all on Usenet, right? So yeah. You know, you would ask it in questions on Usenet. Yeah. So now in the future, how do you maintain the quality of what's going into these systems? And and I think that's that'll continue to be um definitely a a definitely a problem that people will be working on how do you how do you maintain quality i think sam altman said in an interview i don't know if it was cnn there was some other media interview where he said one of his biggest concerns was the human feedback because it's Mm. if you think about things you can control or at least manage and review employees is one thing but 100 million humans giving feedback it it, um, a lot of people don't may not remember the tay.ai mess where that Twitter AI Twitter bot was it was shut off within a few days because mm-hmm. of human feedback and um, so that yeah it, it's really interesting how how do you manage knowledge and content uh, and how do you maintain quality yep. well again I would say right now I'm versus where I was a year ago I'm a lot more uh, enthusiastic excited about writing <laughs> You know, that was one of the keys for me and just, and really prompt engineering and being able to go back and forth with the chat GPT uh, has an effect lit that up again. So, uh, oh, I I definitely relate to that as well. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but you, another thing you reminded me of, which is also a really big change that could be coming is writing because, um, Pick your favorite author. Mark Mason was one of mine. He wrote a very famous blog that went viral. That blog is, was not monetized very well. And so he's forced to write a book. He writes a book. It's a new, it's an extension of the blog. It's a New York Times bestseller. But why would I spend eight hours on Audible listening to a book that has 80% of the new knowledge or perspective that was in a blog that is a five or six page blog? And so my hope is as as humans working together, we figure out how to monetize new ideas better. So I I think that individual, Mark Mason, who had to write a book, very expensive process, mm-hmm. he's wasting his time, but he's also wasting all of our time to read this book. And so I'm really hoping that there's a future that you or I or anyone who's listening could wake up on a weekend and based on a mind meld of conversations they had on a previous week in our conference, they they write a blog and that new idea, which is very val- valuable, is quickly monetized and they don't have to bloat it and make it mm-hmm. into a book. Because I, I think there's a lot of books that could be summarized um, in you, 10 minutes. 
Yeah. Yeah. There, that's why there are businesses that do just that. So yeah, Jepson, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, where can the people find you? I'm most active on LinkedIn. Um, Jepson Taylor, you can find me there. I also have a, a domain, jepsontaylor.com, where I try to keep various things about me, um, past talks, bio, galleries, w- whatever I'm curious in at the moment. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And thank you, everyone. Please, again, drop us comments. We'd love to hear your feedback in and around this topic. It's one I think we're going to be talking about for quite some time to come. So thank you so much. Take care and have a wonderful day. Thanks, Grant. That was really fun.